Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon to you and yours. How are you on this Tuesday, May the 2nd, the year 2023? So glad that you have found us. And we hope you stick with us for the next two hours. As um, we are live and in living color with my producer, James Mesh, inside the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. Head down, uh, head west on I-10, get to Lake Charles, you'll find KLCJ. We're thrilled to be on 1041 FM there. Streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, You can turn your television set on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, LSU baseball, another midweeker. This time they... um, the first of four away games as they travel to Hammond, America, to take on the Southeastern Lions. Um, LSU riding a seven-game SEC winning streak. They are number one across the board um, as far as in the country. And we'll go from there. It will be a 6:30 first pitch. LSU won three or four games last week, including a sweep over Alabama. And let's be honest with you, uh, every time you get an opportunity to get the ball and to pitch it, it is an audition for Jay Johnson to see who's going to go out there and help Paul Skeens out after Friday night. That's where LSU needs to find it. They find that they've got enough hitting. They'll be just fine. I guess the big question mark of of many, who's going to be the first player picked in the draft? Is it going to be the outfielder, the everyday player in Dylan Cruz? Or is it going to be the guy that's going to get the ball every four or five days in Paul Skeens? Either way, they might go one and two. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? The NBA continues. It's playoffs tonight. Last night, Boy, did the Boston Celtics miss an opportunity without Joel Embiid, the front runner for the MVP. The Philadelphia 76ers turned back the clock on James Harden with a 45-point performance. He and his backcourt mate Tyrese Maxey, who had 26, that's 71 combined points, and the Boston Celtics just couldn't get it done. They get outscored by four in the fourth. And they and the 76ers win by four, 119-115 to take a one-game-to-zip lead in the best-of-seven series. 
Also last night, it was um, the Joker and company getting it done yet again. The Denver Nuggets with a 97-87 win over the Phoenix Suns to take a two-games-to-zip lead in that best-of-seven series. Just not enough offense. Chris Paul goes down yet again in the third period. The Suns had the lead at that point in time. He left. That was all she wrote. Devin Booker with 25, Kevin Durant with 24, but no help whatsoever from anybody else, and the bench was nullified. The Joker did it again with 39 points, 16 rebounds. Uh, Jamal Murray has been on fire, but he had a bad night, only 10 points. But it was Contavious Caldwell Pope with 14 and Aaron Gordon with 16. Denver, 97-87 over the Suns. Two games to zip lead there. Oh, we've got some games tonight. Yes, we do. Game two in the Eastern Conference semifinals Miami at New York with the heat up one game to zip and the Lakers and the Warriors with game one in their Western Conference semifinals LeBron versus Steph yeah let's go we'll talk with Grant Hughes in just a minute about uh, the NBA playoffs Glenn West will join us uh, after that we'll talk some LSU baseball Uh, Olivia Dunn leads the way as LSU has dominated the NIL valuation rankings for female athletes. She's number one. Uh, The Bayou Barbie, Angel Reese, is now number two. And Flaugé Johnson, the other freshman guard, is at number four. And the transfer from Louisville, Haley Van Lith, is at number eight. Stay tuned. Might be getting another one any minute. Brian Polian went from special teams coordinator to um, a part of the the staff after the special teams just didn't uh, work out a little bit. And now he is no longer around as he has taken um, a head job as the athletic director at his alma mater, John Carroll University. John Carroll announced the lose today. Polian graduated from the small private Division III school outside of Cleveland in 1997. So, three months after Polian moved to an off-the-field role, the former special teams coordinator is leaving LSU to become the athletic director at his alma mater. And I kind of like that. I kind of like that. So, good for him. Good guy. Uh, LSU moves on. Brian Polian uh, takes over the ship uh, of his own place. And that's a pretty good deal, if you ask me. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies said, um, Dylan Brooks, eh, we don't want you anymore. You're going to uh, have to go find another place to go play. Uh, an ex-Raider, former Alabama Crimson Tider Henry Ruggs III, unconditionally waived his right to a preliminary hearing today and will plead guilty to one count of DUI resulting in death and one count of misdemeanor vehicular manslaughter in a 2021 case in which he's accused of killing a woman in a car crash. According to a plea agreement presented today in the Las Vegas Justice Court, Ruggs will serve three to ten years in a Nevada state prison. One 
one thing, one simple decision. And now look what's happened. Lesson to be learned for each and every one of us. Just saying, just saying. Um, college football uh, playoff revealed its schedule and dates for the 2024 2025 seasons with the field expanding to 12 teams. Um, the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl will host the semifinal games, while the Rose Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, Peach Bowl, and Sugar Bowl will serve as the quarterfinal sites over a two-game span on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day as the 12-team playoff era begins in 2024. Um, that's going to be pretty cool. Not a bad way to spend a New Year's Eve and a New Year's Day, right? Um, First-round games take place on the campuses of the higher-seeded teams. So there's some of your headlines of the day. Let me tell you our guest list today. We are busy. Brad Hughes, our NBA feature reporter from Bleacher Report, joins us in just a few minutes. Glenn West of Go247 Sports will talk all things LSU. The big news on campus, Garrett Nussmeyer not leaving. Where, where, he wasn't going to go anywhere. The only, thing, only way he was going to do that is if Walker Howard stayed and Walker Howard got ahead of him. He's not going anywhere, but we'll talk about that and LSU baseball. Blake Topmeyer from USA Today will join us to start off our number two. I believe LSU has the best quarterback in the SEC, which means LSU should be the favorite to win the SEC. Hmm. We'll see what Blake has to say about that. And then Bob Rose of the Saints News Network, our Tuesday featured black and gold report. So we're rolling. Thank you so much for being right with us. We're going to have a fun, fun day on this Chamber of Commerce Tuesday. So come on back and we'll get this thing rolling after our first time out of the day. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Haven't seen the defending World Series champs yet? Well, in person, don't worry about it because the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with another Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Oakland A's on Saturday, May 20th. You can be there. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros Weekend Getaways, powered by Bookshire AC, Le Meridian Houston Downtown, and The Game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. 16 minutes after the hour, let's get busy. We begin today with the NBA playoffs. We saw a couple of games last night. 76ers, uh, I don't know how they did it, but they beat the Celtics without Joel Embiid. And the Nuggets just have too much firepower, too much depth at this point in time for the Suns and Chris Paul yet again hurt tonight. Oh, can't wait. Game two, Heat Knicks. Game one, Lakers, Warriors. Grant Hughes, Bleacher Report. He's out there on the left coast in the Bay Area. How are you, my friend? 
Well, I got to say, as a as a lifelong Warriors fan, who I'm, you know, if I'm hiding my uh, my bias, I haven't done a very good job of it. Generally, uh, <laughs> feeling uh, I'm finally coming down from the stress of Game Seven against the Kings. So, other than that, I'm doing great, and I'm enjoying uh, the second round so far. I'm going to get to the main guy, but I think the guy that has been the key to the Warriors' resurgence is Kayvon Looney. What? He is getting rebound after rebound. He never complains. He doesn't need the ball to be happy. He does all the dirty work. He is so invaluable to that team, Grant. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, in the final during their their title run last year, he he didn't he didn't have the numbers like he did against the Kings with those three twenty rebound games, twenty plus rebounds. But he just. Uh, I think there's not a long list of centers that you'd want to play with if you're a guard or just a teammate. Uh, you know, there's not many guys on the list ahead of him because of what you said. He just doesn't care if he shoots, and the only shots he takes are putbacks and wants to pass the ball, will defend in space, will defend the rim, uh, athletically pretty limited, but just, just kind of does everything you need a role-playing guy to do. And I mean, look, they, they don't, you know, they don't win the series without him. They just, they just don't. No way. Um, and, yeah. and that's a statement on their depth, I think one, but two, it's just, the guy just does what they need uh, when they need it. And, and he's done it often enough that I think you can start to count on that now. Yeah, so many times we've seen the Steph Curry, LeBron James matchup first time with both teams in the Western conference. Um, I don't think LeBron has anything else to prove. His his status or stature is solidified. I still think Steph Curry has things to prove to everybody else that doesn't know basketball. He still has a chance to move up and up and up the charts. I don't know how much higher he can go, uh, but I think he's a, I think he's one of the top ten greatest players ever. Um, man, that fifty point game. I I haven't seen anything like it ever. No, he. He's just, I think one of the differences now, um, you know, and he, he clearly did not want to have to have that game, right? Like he does, that's the most he's ever shot in a playoff game. Right. Uh, he just, he doesn't want to have to do that. But I think, you know, I think the fact that he can do that is, is what separates him from LeBron. Cause look, LeBron's older. He's got more mileage. This, this version of LeBron that we have now, is still really good and can be the best player against any team for a game or, you know, maybe three games or four games in a series. But Curry, I think you can make the case Curry is as good as he's ever been right now. Um, and, and so he's really still at the absolute peak of his powers. So this will be, uh, this will be the first time with these two guys matching up again, where that's the case, because the last time, that the Warriors were playing the Cavs every year in the finals, that was still pretty close to peak LeBron. It may have been, you know, depending on how you feel about those heat years, it may have been peak LeBron. Yeah. So so now Curry goes in, as I think most people would say, is the better player today. But like you said, I think historically people still have LeBron above him, which is hard not to. But but yeah, if anyone has anything to prove in the minds, I guess, of like casual fans or, or whatever, it still probably is Curry. I think that's right. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I guess the big question is, when you look at the when you look at the matchups, um, I know Wiggins is going to guard LeBron. I think mm-hmm. um, who's going to guard Curry? Heaven forbid if Clay Thompson gets back on his game and if Wiggins starts knocking down. I don't know how you guard uh, the Warriors. I guess is the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, I think 
I think this is about as different a series in terms of the matchup from from the Kings as yep. you can get. Um, I think it's a series where the Warriors will really struggle with with the Lakers' size uh, and their interior defense, whereas the Kings, you know, once the Warriors figured out they could get layups whenever they wanted to, everything kind of looked a lot better. I don't think that's an option against Anthony Davis and LeBron and even Jared Van. The, the Lakers are just going to be bigger and longer. Um, this is assuming, by the way, this is the key to the series to me, is can Anthony Davis and LeBron be the best versions of themselves for a full right. series? You know, not get hurt, not wear down, not have games where they just don't have it. I think if, if they can hold up, which is a huge if, and I think it's unlikely, then the Lakers could win this series. But because I don't think that's likely, I think the Warriors just have more shooting, have more ways to exploit some of the Lakers' perimeter defenders, um, just are harder to stop, I think, really. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, I, you know, the, the Lakers' size is a real issue, though. The war, I mean, Kevon Looney's not going to have a 20-rebound game, I don't think. If he does, something's gone very wrong for the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. It's just a team in the Warriors that I don't care what you do to them. They never seem to be out of a game. You go on a 10-zip run, it's okay. We're going to shoot ourselves back in it. So I just don't know if the Lakers, although they have – uh, retool their roster and they're a much better ball club. I just don't think they have enough um, for what the Warriors bring to you. Anyway, that's just my thought. Game two tonight, Heat, Knicks. Uh, Jimmy Butler so much depending upon that ankle. He still stayed in the game. Uh, that that might be the toughest team I've seen. My goodness. The Knicks need Julius Randle. What's his update? I think he's, as every uh, Tom Tom Thibodeau player is, uh, I think they're just going to wait until right before the game to decide if he's going to play. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think for for the Knicks, I thought Randall would really matter because he came into the first-round series with an ankle, and then he re-injured it. I, right. I think he matters more in this series because the Heat are really small, um, and Randall is the guy that can really bully you know, smaller guards and wings, and that's who's going to have to guard him if he's right. Um, so yeah, that's a big that's a big deal for the Knicks. Who uh, I don't know what you were thinking when after Jimmy Butler sprained that ankle and stayed in the game. I couldn't believe the Knicks didn't go at him. Uh, just Me too. Just to, just to try it, see if he could hold up. Do I mean, it's, it's cutthroat, yeah. but these are the playoffs. You know, you gotta you gotta get that guy off the floor if you can. Clear out a side and take him to the basket and see what he can do. I'm with you. Um, Boy, last night, the 76ers, that really surprised me. In Boston, beat the Celtics 119-115 without Joel Embiid. What's up with the Celtics? I don't get it. Yeah, it's you want to, after a game like that, focus on what, boy, wasn't hard and amazing. He had 45, and he looked like Houston Rockets' James Harden. But but my takeaway was just, how, how does Boston let that one get away? You know, how, how do they not make somebody else try to score? Boston does not like to double-team. But after Harden's cooking you for, you know, three quarters, you might want to try something. You might want to get the ball out of his hands. And I think that was a failure by the Celtics. I think they, they got stagnant on offense. Again, they missed some open shots. It's just the Celtics team has games like this in them where, where you know, I mean, Atlanta took them to six. That should never have happened either. So right. the, the Celtics do this where, where they just they just let these games get away and, and – you know, maybe Embiid comes back and it really costs them, or maybe they, they figure it out in game two. Uh, I mean, just the fact that the Sixers get a split, they're going to leave Boston with, with one win at least, and, and they didn't have Embiid in game one. That's that's just not what you want if you're the Celtics. I can't fathom. I think they, I made, they the Celtics made the decision for Doc Rivers. They'll sit Embiid again 
because they will come away with a split. Gives him more time to to rest up and heal up, and he'll be ready for game three. I guess it sums it up for me with the Celtics. Last play of the game, they, they're going to go isolate oh. and get the ball to Marcus Smart when you got Jason yeah. Tatum? Well, I, I don't understand that. Right. Well, after the previous play where they just threw it right to Tyrese Maxey and he got a breakaway layup. I mean, that's just, yeah. you know, the Celtics, when things go wrong for the Celtics, it, it, it's hard to imagine how they ever score because the, the, the offense just totally stalls out and the wrong guy has the ball in the wrong spot. And you wonder, like, what were you guys doing all year? How How is it this high leverage moment and you just can't? You can't, you know, get the ball to Tatum and just see what happens, right? Like, that's that's not complicated Absolutely. if you want to really simplify it. Do you give the Phoenix Suns any hope against the Denver Nuggets? I know it doesn't start till a team wins on the road, but Denver yeah. took care of business. 87 points for Phoenix. They get 35 from Booker, 24 from Durant, and then basically nothing. Yeah, I, I think... I, I don't think the Suns can win that this series. I think Chris Paul's injury looms really large. I mean, it's obvious you lose a starting point guard that that matters, but the Suns' lack of depth is a huge problem. They're having to play Booker and Durant 40-some-odd minutes every night. Durant missed a lot of shots in Game 2 that I would trust him to make, but, you know, you're in a 2-0 hole, so it's just your, your climate, you're fighting uphill here. I think the the real issue is, the best version of the Suns just make a lot of mid-range jumpers, and that's not always going to be enough against a really good offense that shoots a ton of threes. Um, not that not that the Nuggets made a bunch of threes in Game Two; it was a defensive game. But the, the Suns are behind in the math game; they're they're not as deep, and and now you know Kevin Durant and Devin Booker didn't get you one of these first two, so the the odds are just the odds are just too long. And that's even if Chris Paul comes back, which I. Honestly, I you know a groin for a guy that's that that age like that's that's going to linger, right? I know I know I'd be out for several weeks if I had a groin pull. And Chris Paul's not that much younger than I am. <laughs> With you, um, well, I guess the Memphis Grizzlies had enough. They they told Dylan Brooks, uh, "We don't want you anymore. Hit the road." Um, what, what what do you think of that? I mean, I got to say the thing that I had to laugh a little bit because I think in that report, the words under no circumstances were, were in there. So it's just it's not just, you know, we're we're not going to offer you more than, you know, X million dollars. It's just we don't want you back full stop, which, you know, Dylan Brooks wasn't the only problem with Memphis this year. But I think if it's me and I'm the Grizzlies and on top of all the nonsense, the fact that he just didn't talk to the media when yep. things weren't going well for his team. Yep. Where you're, if you're not yep. going to be accountable when when things are bad, I get it. I think I think if you're trying to grow up, which the Grizzlies are, you got to get the guy out of there that's just going to hide from the spotlight when when things aren't going well. I think if it's me, I think that would have been a huge factor in that decision. But pretty rare this early in the off season to just say, you know, we're good. We don't we don't need you back at all. You can you know, good luck to you. That that does not good luck, happen. Go find, <laughs> go find somebody else to play for. Uh, before we let you get out of here. Um, all right, Lakers, Warriors, who you got and how many games? I'm going to take Warriors in six while acknowledging that if Davis and LeBron can stay healthy, the Lakers could win this series. I don't, if people are predicting a walkover, I don't, I don't know if I see that. No, no, I don't either. I think it means too much uh, to LeBron and, and Anthony Davis has too much to prove. Nuggets, Suns, we, I, we both think the Nuggets are going to win or the Suns going to challenge them a little bit. 
I think they'll get one. I think they'll get one of these next two, but that, that's about as far as I'm willing to go. All right. Heat, Knicks, Miami. Oh, already man. got one game at the Garden. Game two tonight. What do you think? Yeah, I hate to pin it on injury, uh, but if this Jimmy Butler ankle thing w- lingers, I don't think the Heat can score at all. Um, so it, I I think I probably are so tough, though, and they got this first one. I'll go Heat in seven. Uh, but if he's hurt, then the Knicks just the Knicks win the series. Okay. All right. And finally, uh, again, injury is so much a part of this thing. Um, Embiid out for the Sixers. He's I, I, I'd be stunned if he played game two. I, I don't think there's any way. Uh, but uh, Sixers get one. Game two coming up in Boston. Um, can the Sixers do it or the Celtics bounce back and get where they're supposed to be? I know I just uh, badmouthed the Celtics, but because of the Embiid injury, I got to go Celtics in seven. Uh, it's it's just amazing to me, though, that the Celtics can look as bad as they did, so I don't feel great about that yeah. one either. Yeah, but they'll bounce back. They're, they're too good. They'll bounce back. But uh, get the ball to your best player. I mean, you don't have to be a genius, Coach. Just get the ball <laughs> to your best player and let him go to work. I don't. I th- these guys overthink it way too much. Um, Grant Hughes, thank you. Enjoy the ball game. I can't wait till nine o'clock central time, seven o'clock where you are Lakers warriors game one. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Jordy. You're the best Grant Hughes bleacher report. Uh, play, you gotta admit NBA playoffs have been unbelievably good. Unbelievably good. All right. We'll take a quick time out here. When we come back, Glenn West time to talk all things tigers next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you tired of your boring man cave? Well, guess what? The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a new recliner from Bordelon's Furniture, a flat-screen TV from AVI, and more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover, powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Right, we are back. Time to talk Tigers with the man from Go247 Sports, usually on a Monday, but kind enough to join us today, the big man, Glenn West. My man, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Jordy. How are you? I'm terrific, man. I like to hear that from you. Um, all right, I guess. We can talk baseball, but I guess everybody's talking about the big news that Garrett Nussmeyer has told everybody, hey, no, 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 I'm sticking around. I I can see the future, and the future looks good for me. I'll sit in the wings. I'll play some this year, but then I'll get the keys to the kingdom for two years after that. So the quarterback room, man, from from a very big problem, then you get Joe Burrow, and then you're like, okay, what are we going to do? Seems to be in pretty good hands. I would say the best in the league. Yeah, I, I would say probably in terms of one-two punches in the country, Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer is probably as good as you can hope for um, in, in, in college football next year at the quarterback position. I mean, 
Uh, I go back to what Nussmeyer's decision really means. And, you know, I think first and foremost, it means that, you know, he's bought in and that he's got a plan in place to, to, to eventually succeed uh, uh, Jaden Daniels next year. And um, I, I honestly think that it's also a buy-in of the program and of Brian Kelly. I think that they certainly sold him on a vision of what it looks like past this year. Uh, and it's something he's excited to be a part of. And so, uh, yeah, I think that was a huge deal. I, you know, got in touch with Garrett yesterday and he sent a nice text over of why he decided to come over. And uh, yeah, it was a great uh, and just a really great piece of news. It was expected, but yeah. it's one of those decisions that, you know, even though it was expected, you still have to talk about it because it means like, you know, your quarterback situation here uh, for a potential top five, 10 program uh, it is going to be in some really, really good spot uh, kind of moving forward. We see two ends of the spectrum. We see in Colorado, Deion Sanders, they've lost like 50 play. He told them all, hit the road, Jack. <laughs> I'm stunned, stunned. At least to this point, I haven't seen one name since the spring from LSU players deciding, eh, I'm not going to play that much, so I'm going to go hit the portal. Not one. I'm stunned yeah. by that. Yeah, I mean, I figured if there was going to be any attrition this uh, this spring, it was going to come from the offensive line just because of all the players they have coming in and uh, not really knowing, you know, what their spot might look like. But then, you know, after a full spring practice, you've gotten Marlon Martinez and uh, Kimo McIniel, uh, Bo Bordelon, all those guys that were kind of buried in the depth chart last year, all had first and second team reps this spring and from all accounts really developed and played uh, played well during the spring. So I think that that gives them confidence and momentum heading into this off season that, Hey, yeah, we've got these new guys coming here, uh, but you're going to have to, you're going to have to beat me out for, for some of these jobs. And so uh, I do think that LSU's in a really good spot with their O line. Uh, certainly they're going to get healthier on the D line. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I thought that there would probably be maybe one or two names that entered and, you're able to maybe build up some kind of depth purposes and, you know, in the transfer portal moving forward. And now it's just, man, we can really focus on, you know, filling up these last three or four spots, however many you really want uh, in the spring to, to really feel comfortable with where your roster's at. I'm with you. Uh, kind of amazing to me. So everything's uh, on go. Are, are you hearing other, uh, there's a running back from Rummel who went to Notre Dame. I think he might be a really good fit in a in a room where you're not sure what you really have, to be quite honest with you. Academics, injuries, you don't know. Yeah. What what do you think about uh, him? Yeah, yeah. So Logan Diggs out of Notre Dame. He's a guy that Brian Kelly recruited out of New Orleans, out of Metairie, uh, and he eventually signed with Notre Dame. Had a really nice season last year, 800 yards on the ground, three or four touchdowns, I believe, as well. Um, that would be a huge addition, obviously, to, to what they have at this running back room. Um, they, they, they've really, I think, stressed the importance of adding another guy into that room just because of what you just mentioned, some of the academic concerns with the couple of the guys, with some of the injury concerns, with some of the smaller uh, backs on this, on this, uh, in this room right now. Uh, and he's a guy that, that played in some high-level football last year, uh, some high-level games and uh, and produce. So I think that's exactly the kind of mix that you're looking for in the portal, guys that have Louisiana ties but also have played uh, in some meaningful football. And uh, Diggs would be a great addition. Uh, Keon Coleman's another guy, a receiver who's uh, in the portal out of Mississippi State, uh, somebody that I know LSU recruited out of high school. 
um, but eventually signed with the Bulldogs. He could be an option. He's a receiver. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there's, there's a number of guys and there will certainly be some more that kind of trickle out over the coming days and weeks and, uh, which guys LSU wants to pull the trigger on. That'll start to really come to fruition. I think here pretty quickly. Yeah, well, we're going to see where LSU is ranked nationally in the preseason polls, where they're ranked in the SEC West. It should be very, very fascinating. All right. Tonight, LSU will try to avoid their third consecutive in-state midweek loss they lost to the cajuns from lafayette they lost to the colonels from Nichols. tonight they get southeastern this one's on the road um the bats are there it's it's like the second verse same as the first who's going to be the pitching staff that that's the big that's the big big question mark it seems like it's that way every year what do you think analyze this for me yeah, so I mean the offense, you know, you really got a good look at seeing uh how the offense can come back this last weekend against Alabama, whether it's a four-run deficit or a five-run deficit. Uh really no no loss is too big for this group to make up. And you really saw that in those final couple games against the Crimson Tide. Um, but yeah, the, the big question here is the pitching staff, and they're still trying to figure some stuff out. Obviously, Ty Floyd not being able to get into the fourth inning. Uh, on Saturday was was not good. Uh, Christian Little certainly had his up and downs uh, on, in, in three point one innings on the mound. So, I mean, if you're if you're pitching staff, and we've talked about this before, can't get you into the middle part of the game. That just really puts a lot of stress on your bullpen, and this is already a a bullpen that's pretty depleted. Um, but it's also one of those deals where you look around the conference, and really, no every other team is having these kinds of issues too. I mean, the, the, the ERA right now in the SEC is probably as high as it's been in, in several years. I mean, they're really stressing offense right now in the conference and, you know, these strike zones are pretty tight. You know, we've, we've, we've looked at it, you know, just from conference play, the walks are up, the free passes yep. are up. Um, and, and it's just, it's, it's certainly, I think a little bit more of an offensive oriented, uh, you know, league this year. Uh, and so LSU is just going to have to be in a position where they say, hey, everybody else is in this situation that, like we are, but we have something that none of these off- other teams have, which is probably the number one and number two pick in Paul Skeens right. and Dylan Cruz, one right. of the best offenses that we've ever had in this school. Um, and and we have a staff that we believe in. Uh, we just need to get a little bit more consistency in terms of the free passes uh, don't beat yourself. That's the biggest thing I think moving forward here for LSU. Eliminate the free passes. If a team's going to hit you to death, uh, then you just kind of have to live with it. But you know, you got to eliminate the free passes. Let me ask you this: um, You mentioned Paul Skeens, and he got the uh, win against Alabama on Friday. He limited them to one run on five hits, nine strikeouts, no walks, six innings. I don't know what his pitch count was. When are we going to see Skeens start getting into the seventh, eighth innings before they take him? As soon as they took him out, here comes Bama. Boom, 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 yeah. boom. They made a game of it. What, why is Skeens getting out of the game at that so, point in time, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where he's so good that sometimes it hurts him. And, like, that that's kind of the situation that I think he's in right now. A lot of these – hitters are having extended at bats because they're just barely getting pieces of the ball. They're extending their at bats. Um, and, and they're, you know, they're, he's creating a lot of weak contact on, on the hits that he does give up. Um, but it's just the fact that he's pitching so hard that a lot of these batters can't keep up. And so they're keep fouling balls off. I mean, you, you could probably count 
the number of strikes that he throws, and I'd bet a good bit of, or half of them are off of foul balls because the the offensive batter okay. just can't keep up with his pitches. So, um, you know, he's he's a high strikeout guy, and that comes with the territory. I think they took him out in the sixth inning, and he was up to like one ten or one fifteen. So, like, you can't realistically you. extend him any longer than right. that. So, okay. um, I think probably your best bet is to maybe hope that these teams put the ball in play a little more often and and make sure that LSU's defense is going to be able to make those plays. But um, I also know that Jay Johnson and the pitching and the, you know, the pitching staff and everyone in that program has no problem with, you know, six clean innings of Paul Skeens on Friday night. They, they, yeah. they'll take that to the bank every, every week. 124 strikeouts. Yeah. And 12 walks. It's crazy. crazy. That is yeah. crazy. We know Dylan Cruz batting 490, Tommy White's all those things and advertise. I think Jared Jones may be a little bit better than even they thought yeah. he was going to be. He's hitting 336. Veloso's been a big surprise. Trey Morgan, steady as can be. Got Dugas hitting over 300. I mean, they got a lineup that uh, it, it, you know, 43 games batting 318 as a team. I know it dips yeah. a little bit in the SEC, but my goodness gracious, when you need runs, they produce. Oh yeah, no. I mean, look, everybody's you know rightfully so on on the on the Tommy White, Dylan Cruz, uh, Gavin Dugas, Trey Morgan train, but this has really been a one through nine kind of effort. And you mentioned Jared yeah. Jones there. Um, he's had a lot of strikeouts this year as a freshman, which is not you know uncommon. But he's come through with some big hits, and I know that LSU is extremely excited about his long term future, uh, future with this program. Uh, they love. Uh, what Cade Belosa has been able to do out of the DH spot. And, uh, you know, just kind of going down the line there, Alex Malazzo is a guy, his offensive development this year, he's batting, I want to say close to 360. And he's been a pretty steady player in the rotation now for about a month. And so I don't think it's a case at this point of Malazzo just not having many at bats. And that's why you're seeing the numbers that he has. I think he's getting the at bats now and his development at the plate has been really, really crucial for LSU. And uh, obviously we know what he can do behind the plate. So that's that's a really positive sign as well. Um, but really one through nine has just been great offensively. It doesn't feel like there's a weak link uh, in this lineup. And, you know, he, there's a lot of talk right now about whether Trey Morgan should be back at first because a couple of the misses he's had in left field. If you do that, you have to take either one or both of Jared Jones and Cade Beloso out of the lineup. And I just don't think that's a place where LSU is even remotely considering right now. I'm with you. Um, Glenn West, go to four, seven sports. Um, we'll shift over real quick. We saw um, that LSU certainly has the NIL stuff in place, particularly on the female side with Olivia Dunn, number one, uh, the Bayou Barbie, number two, Haley Van Lith is in there. Flaugier Johnson's in there. I guess, why wouldn't Anisha Morrow, the six-one, she's really good at DePaul. Yeah. Um, why wouldn't she come here? Other than the fact that maybe, just maybe, she thinks her numbers may go down. But hey, you win, she's gonna get to the WNBA. Come on to Tiger Tech. Can you imagine that lineup? It'd be it'd be the Fab Five 2.0, right? I mean, all yes. those guys ended up making it to the NBA just fine. And you know, I think it's it would be a, a devastating lineup. I mean, if they got Morrow in here to go along with what you got with Van Lith and Johnson and, and Michaela Williams, who's the number one player in the country coming in yeah. this year, and obviously with Floge and, and and just you can go down and down the line. Kateri Poole's coming back. I mean, like, this would be a roster that I don't think you could 
have any kind of game plan for. I mean, I think you just pretty much expect, you know, 99% of teams to just go in there and hope they can keep it within 10, 15 points. And that would be a win in their books. But um, yeah, it's just, it, it would be an amazing sign to, to get both of those guys, uh, both of those girls in here into that program. Uh, and it would really just be a, a phenomenal season, I think, next year. It's it's to the point where I'd be surprised if she didn't. And Morrow is a really good outside shooter. Yeah. So now that spreads the court even more with Van. Oh, my goodness gracious. So I feel so bad for Matt McMahon. I haven't heard. I mean, they got a couple of players, but that ain't going to that's not going to win big time games in the SEC. He's in trouble. Well, I, I, I think that I'll, I'll push back on that a little bit. I do think that they're they're in a good, better spot than they were last year. And look, oh, I know that's yeah. not well, saying How many much. games did they win last year? Yeah, I know how that's not saying much. Yeah. I know that's not saying much, but you have to you have to kind of take your lumps here. And, and I, I do think that you know he inherited a really poor situation, and you know yeah. he he's got to really try to build it up quick. And uh, I, I do like the fact that he's the players that he's brought in. Uh, are guys that have Louisiana ties, guys that uh, really care about LSU and want to see this program succeed. Um, and, and I, I just I like what they did because they really stressed offense. And I think that was really important because there was not an offensive player last year you could count on outside of KJ. No and yeah. I think they have a, a guy who can, you know, kind of run the offense in Jalen Cook. You've got guys like Carlos Stewart. And Jordan Wright, who can shoot the ball a little bit. Will Baker is probably as good of a interior threat as a center as you could possibly have in this conference next year. Um, and and they still might not be done. Joe Girard is a guy from Syracuse. He just dropped his top two schools last week. And Syracuse uh, and uh, Clemson and LSU were both on his list. And he's a sharp shooting perimeter guard, probably yeah. one of the best in the portal. And that would be uh, another really big pickup for McMahon and company. Look, I'm not. Uh, look, I like Matt. I, I I know he's a really good coach. He just needs players, and that's yeah. the most important thing. I, how much patience is there going to be with what Mulkey's done? Look what Brian Kelly's done. Look what Jay Johnson's doing. I mean, geez, Louise. Yeah. Um, it's tough. It's tough. But good luck with that. We'll see. All right. Um, I think we covered it all. Did, did we miss out so. on anything? Beach I don't think so. Or Sounds like. Weeks? Yeah, it sounds like we covered it all. I think, uh, yeah, another another big baseball weekend I, this weekend, yeah. and yeah, I think they'll let's sweep that one. Let's get the pitching solidified. Then this team has a chance to be oh, yeah. really, and maybe they'll be like the women's basketball team because all of a sudden they all started to play their very best basketball at the same time at the right time. And maybe yeah. LSU baseball and, and, will do the same. And look, a lot of it's luck too. I think you know that women's team fell into a nice bracket, and certainly yeah. South Carolina losing in the Final Four helped them out didn't a little hurt. bit. Didn't hurt. Um, and, and you know, you could certainly say the same thing here about baseball. I think there's a lot of a lot of teams that LSU matches up well against in this conference, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I'm I'm excited for this stretch run. Mulkey's in New York to get some award. I saw what is that? Some golden wing or something or. What I must is, have missed that? that. I must have missed yeah. that. I'm not sure. She's in New York reaping the benefits. No telling sure. what she's wearing. Uh, <laughs> Glenn West, thank you, buddy. Take care. Man. All right. All right, Jory. Glenn Talks West, to go to 47 Sports. We'll be back to wrap up our number one next. The Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
Thanks to our great partners each and every day. Shop right Tobacco Plus discount outlets, 62 of them in southern and central Louisiana. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, dude, you just can't shop right at all by Ducks. Cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, can't win until you start playing. DC's Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli. Tucked away in the corner, best cheeseburger ever. And by Cajun Chef, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Wrapping up our number one, setting the stage for our number two, Blake Topmeyer, USA Today. Do the LSU Tigers have the best quarterback in the SEC, and where does he rate in the country? So important, the most important position on the field. I think the Tigers are in great, great shape. And then Bob Rose, black and gold report from the Saints News Network. We'll go over the Saints draft, and where else are they going to find some help? They need some help at tight end. They need some help at linebacker. But so far, not too bad. Not too bad. We'll see. Uh, it's all coming your way. Hour number two, the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the fighting Tigers of LSU and the defending World Series champion, Houston Astros. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of and away we go on this uh, gorgeous Tuesday, May 2nd, the year 2023. Hope you're having a great one. Um, we had a busy first hour. We talked a lot of the NBA. We talked a lot of LSU. This time we'll talk some SEC football in this hour, Saints as well. So um, glad you're here with us. My main man, James Mesh, is uh, in the master control suite in the EFCO development studios Epco development is a civil construction company that uh, specializes in multi-family construction it's on the campus of delta media which is where you'll find klwb which is uh, 1037 lafayette and we're also on 1041 in lake charles klcj streaming around the world 1037thegame.com 1041thegame.com and if you happen to be in the acadiana area you can turn your television set on as we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. We're all over the place. It's kind of scary. Um, SEC spring football games have come and gone. What is the status? What who, what do we think about it? Well, there's one person that knows it, um, and so we lean on his expertise, and that is Blake Topmeyer, who covers the SEC for the USA Today Network. He's kind enough to join us this afternoon. Blake, how are you, man? And happy May 2nd to you. 
Yeah, I'm doing well, Jordy. Uh, thanks for having me on the spring. Spring games have come and gone, which uh, the best part about that means we're about uh, four months away from the start of the season. That's right. Any surprises for you after watching uh, these teams put on their dog and pony show? We all know it's very close to the vest, but when when you look at it, what 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 were your takes from it? I think just from the, the the big picture view, the fact that Alabama is is sitting here in the month of May and and does not seem to have made you know a ton of progress in determining who its starting quarterback is is a surprise. Uh, obviously, a, a mixed bag of results from from Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson in the spring game. I thought uh, I thought Milrow was the better of the two. Um, you know, with his running ability, athletic ability, I thought he, he maybe um, gives Alabama some, some wrinkles there that, that Ty Simpson uh, does not. That could be particularly useful for an Alabama team that maybe lacks some of the standout NFL caliber receivers we've seen in years past. But then, uh, then, then Alabama, days after the spring game, goes into the portal and, and nabs uh, Tyler Buckner, the, the former Notre Dame backup, which I think kind of had Alabama fans all abuzz for a moment until they realized, well, hey, the reason Buckner went in the portal is because he was not going to be Notre Dame's starter. Uh, he really struggled in Notre Dame's spring game. Um, from, from, from where I sit, Jalen Milrow might still remain Alabama's best quarterback option. But, yeah, that was one key takeaway. I thought we got some answers in, in other quarterback debates. I mean, I think it's going to be Carson Beck. At, at Georgia, no huge surprise there after he'd been the backup uh, to Stetson Bennett last year. And, and we got the answer to the, the Garrett Nussmeyer question yeah. as well. I mean, what a coup by LSU to be able to hang on to both those guys and, and Jaden Daniels and Nussmeyer. You made the point about Georgia. Georgia back-to-back national champions. Um, Stetson Bennett's gone. They they lost a whole bunch of defensive players after their first championship. I thought they'd slip. They didn't. They won again. Does Georgia slip a little bit, or are they still the powerhouse that um, that Kirby Smart has built up? They're still the powerhouse. Um, do they slip? Hard to say. Maybe, maybe a smidge. Uh, I think the the thing working in Georgia's favor we can't overlook is is their schedule is truly a cakewalk this year. I mean, when you look at it, other than a road game uh, at Tennessee in, in November, I just don't see who's really supposed to threaten Georgia on this schedule until, until you get to Atlanta in the SEC championship game. I mean, it, it really sets up nicely um, with, with some of the crossovers, with, with Auburn still being down. Um, you know, in the first year under under Hugh Freeze, and so sure, you know, it might take some time to transition to a new quarterback and to transition to some new faces. But the fact of the matter is, I don't know that I see Georgia truly tested until November uh, when they when they come to Neyland Stadium, and, and I think they'll be humming by then. I mean, you know, you look at year over year, Georgia sends 15 players to the NFL draft a year ago and comes back and repeats as national champions and then sends 10 more players to the NFL draft. Uh, and, and here they are again uh, among the short list of favorites to, to, be, uh, to win, win, win the championship this year. It, it's very uh, Nick Saban-esque, isn't it? I mean, the height of that Alabama dynasty, that's what they were doing. They were sending 10-plus guys to the draft uh, every year as, as a coronation of the team that was. 
and still they they barely skipped a beat, if at all, the following season. It was it was a testament to the recruiting and development that was going on within Alabama's program at that time, and that's currently what we're seeing uh, at Georgia. I don't think anybody's developed talent the last couple years better than Kirby Smart, and there's not very many people that have recruited better than Kirby Smart uh, throughout his time there. Georgia is going to be the favorite to win the East. Uh, how wide is the gap between Georgia and whoever is um, going to be in second place? Is it a little bit more narrow? Is it is it widening even more? I think it's about the same because I think I think Tennessee will will remain the second team in the East. And while we can say maybe maybe Georgia bumps back a smidge or, or has some questions at the very least uh, with a new quarterback and a lot of new faces. Uh, so too does, does Tennessee and having to replace Hinden Hooker and, uh, and the Bolitnikoff winner and, and Jalen Hyatt and, and a, and a first round NFL tackle and, and Darnell Wright. Uh, I still think Tennessee's offense will remain very high functioning. Josh Heupel's proven time and again, regardless yeah. of program. He knows offense. His offense is difficult to defend. It's been around for a while and still defenses and, and defensive coordinators can't quite uh, corral it. And, and so I think even as, as Tennessee transitions to Joe Milton at quarterback, I, I still think they're going to remain a pretty potent offense, maybe not quite as potent as they were last year when they were hanging 52 uh, on, on Alabama. The bigger question with Tennessee is, uh, are they going to be any improved on defense? And I'm skeptical that that's going to be the case. You know, the defense yeah. is what kept them out of the playoffs last year, cost them uh, that game in, in November where they, they lost and Spencer Rattler went wild uh, and South Carolina's upset in Columbia, and, and that, that really kept the balls out of the playoffs. Uh, I just don't see Tennessee's defense being much improved, if at all, this year. They're going to have to continue to rely on their offense. Um, and, I, and I don't know that a team that's just getting it done on one side of the ball is really ready to close the gap on Georgia. So I, I still think it's Georgia 1. Tennessee two in, in the East, but I think the gap probably remains unchanged there. He is Blake Topmeyer, USA uh, Network. When you think about the SEC West sport, ter- coaching turnovers at Alabama, at Auburn, at Mississippi State, new coordinators at, at uh, a new offensive coordinator at Arkansas, the one team that seems to have stand stood at is LSU, and they have a returning mm-hmm. quarterback. There's no controversy there. They've got Jaden Daniels. With all that being said and done, does that push LSU, who won the SEC West a year ago, does that push them to the forefront here in year two of Brian Kelly? It does. I mean, they they should be the favorites in the West, whether they will become media days. I don't know. It's such a a right of July that, uh, you know, the media punches a ballot for Alabama to top the West every year, and, and normally with good reason. But, um, you know, if you if you just look at what each team, each program brings back on paper, LSU is better positioned for all the reasons that you just said. They have a lot of continuity in their program, and um, you know, it's one thing to have continuity when you when you bring back a bunch of scrubs off a six and six team, uh, <laughs> but right. it's another thing to have continuity uh, off a team that won the West last year. Now, you know that they won the West, but they weren't flawless. You know, L- no. LSU. Um, you know, they had some, some, some ugly games and, and a loss to Texas A&M and a, in a, in a rock match, uh, with, with Arkansas. So, 
you know, I, I do think that you can kind of look at everything that, that comes back and think, okay, let's pencil this team in, as a second team from the SEC into the playoffs. Um, they, do, they will have to develop more consistency year over year if they're, if they're truly going to emerge as, as you know, a, a real frontline playoff contender alongside right. Georgia. But, but I do think they should be the, the favorite in the West. Uh, I really like what Brian Kelly is, is building there. There were some legitimate questions, I think, about, uh, about how Brian Kelly would, would transition, but I think he's answered uh, every one of them. That hire has come up aces. Uh, so far, and and uh, he's got that thing rolling. It, it sure looks like going into year two. I said it before, um, and I'll say it again. He is the closest thing that LSU's had to a Nick Saban-like coach. It's like a professional. It's like a pro team uh, environment. Uh, strictly business. They go about their work. They do what they have to do. And boy, what a first opening weekend game between teams with two really good quarterbacks. Um, and should set the stage for both clubs, and that's Florida State, LSU, in Orlando. That ought to be a doozy. Yeah, that's right. And, and the narrative coming out of week one, I, I think it might be the prevailing narrative, is whoever wins that game is, is going to all of a sudden be talked about as, is this a playoff team? Um, yes. You know, the, the playoff talk now starts, starts in September, you know, I mean, it's, it's just like the Heisman chatter that, that starts earlier and earlier uh, every year. And, and so does the playoff debate. And it's not an eliminating shot for whoever loses that game. You could still run the table after that, uh, win your conference and, and you're in the playoffs at, at 12 and one, but it really does change the outlook. It leaves, you no no real margin for error after that for whoever loses that game. Whereas, whereas the winner of that game, they're going to have a marquee win on their resume, uh, right out of the gate, it gives them a little cushion. You know, if if you stumble later on, uh, your resume is still going to look pretty good. I think uh, with with that marquee win um, against the either LSU or Florida State, whoever wins that game, because uh, I think those those will you know stand tall as as being one of the top couple teams in their conference. I um, you know as we said, I think I think LSU can win the West. Uh, and I think I think Florida State could could win uh, the ACC championship this year. They they have to be looked at alongside Clemson. I think as as the two favorites in that conference. Blake Topmeyer with us. He sees all the teams. He sees all the quarterbacks. If you were had the first pick in the um, SEC draft and you could start a team and you had to pick a quarterback, which quarterback are you going to the dance with? Yeah, that's a really tough question. I, I thought about that quite a bit over the last few weeks. Um, I think you could make a case for probably four or five different guys. I don't think the choice is as clear-cut as it was this time a year ago when the obvious right. answer would have been Bryce Young. I mean, after the season, uh-huh. you could have thrown, say, Hendon Hooker and Stetson Bennett into that conversation, but ahead of the season, uh, you would have been a fool to not take Bryce Young right. Um, at, right. at this juncture of the calendar. I think the debate is deeper this year. Uh, I think for me... I would probably trim it down to two guys, um, K.J. Jefferson uh, from Arkansas or Jaden Daniels there at LSU. I would lean K.J. Jefferson. Um, I, I really like what he does as a dual threat. Of course, Jaden Daniels does it both ways as, as well. Jefferson does it a little bit differently. He's got a little more power uh, in his mm-hmm. game. The, the one thing that, you know, for how big and strong K.J. is, it does overshadow sometimes how efficient, He's been as a passer the last two years. I think he's completing like 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sixty-eight percent of his passes. He's been he's been really really good. Um, I I think I would probably lean him. I'd probably go Daniels number two, and and then and then you really get into uh, to some good waters of debate because I think there's probably six or seven guys uh, you could make a case for right right behind those two. Well, you got to have one. Uh, it looks like LSU's got one. Arkansas has one. There's some question marks across the board after that. We shall see. We'll see what uh, Jefferson does under Dan Enos's uh, offense as the offensive coordinator. It should be another fascinating season. Blake, thank you so much. Enjoy the summertime. Uh, how, how how long before we start? Four four months. Dang, about four months. And I think those week zero games we're at less than four months now. I don't. I don't. I, we might yeah. have an SEC game on the calendar this year in week zero. <laughs> I'd have to consult the schedule. Last year we had Vanderbilt and Hawaii. So I don't know what's on the docket uh, this year. But yeah, less, less really than four months to week zero. Yeah, that doesn't count. Vanderbilt Hawaii. <laughs> that that hardly count counts. Correct. <laughs> Blake, thank you so much, man. I always appreciate your time. Okay, sounds good. Thanks for having me. You're the best. Blake Topmeyer, USA Today Network, covering the SEC. Time for the Black and Gold Report, Saints News Network's Bob Rose, next. This is the Jordy Holdberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. I'm taking Jaden Daniels. Sorry. No KJ Jefferson for me. Sorry. Hey, we're going to take your lady out for a nice dinner, but you're low on cash. Not to worry. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, both located at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. Now, you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. What the heck are we going to talk about with the New Orleans Saints? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Hey, Bob, how you doing, buddy? I'm hanging in there. I'm still uh, still feeling a little bit sleep-deprived, uh, but... Uh... But you know, coming out of an exciting weekend, and and, and we're into May, uh, you know. So you know, with summer just around the corner, that's the next best thing to football. So life is good, right? Life is good. What'd you think of the? Uh, we'll go over it pick by pick and all that kind of stuff. But uh, overall, um, I said this yesterday. It seemed like um, the Saints went to the grocery store and uh, they picked a bag of. Uh, of, of needs that they needed. Now they didn't get all of them because they didn't have enough draft picks to get somebody from every position need, but they sure seemed to cover defensive tackle, edge rusher, running back, wide receiver, offensive lineman. Um, what did you think overall? 
Uh, over, overall, I love the draft. Uh, you know, no, I, obviously, this is just on paper. None of these young men have right. suited up in an NFL uniform yet, so you never know how things are going to pan out. Uh, you know, but uh, you know, like you said, they they not only crossed off most of the major needs that many of us felt that they needed to address through this draft, but the players that they got. Uh, you know, and I and I've watched a lot of film on the uh, on many of these kids. Uh, you know, for the last okay. several months, the players that they got in nearly every round were near the top, uh, you know, top ranked uh, players at their respective positions. And other, yeah, they they were extremely aggressive in day three, but they didn't even have to give up any future assets to move up in rounds one, two, or three, which I think is just as big a deal as getting the players that they wanted. All right, let's start with Brian Brees. How is it? Brissy? Um, The defensive tackle from Clemson seems to be you know, before he got hurt and all that, and he says he's okay now, he seemed to be a a really good football player, disruptive, and he seems to be one of those guys that's going to be a high-quality, high-character locker room leader, and that's equally as important. What do you see in the defensive tackle from Clemson when you study the film? Well, I tell you what, let, yeah, let's start with his uh, off the field, uh, not concerns, but uh, high character. Uh, that man, that young man has had to come over, overcome so much in the last year and a half. Uh, you know, kidney infection, not to mention the tragic loss of his sister last year, uh, the year before ACL surgery knocked him out for mo- you know, pretty much the entire season, then had shoulder surgery after the year. Uh, but on the field, uh, on the field early in his career, he was an absolute game wrecker. Uh, you know, Clemson defenders, uh, you know, edge and linebacker defenders for the Clemson Tigers tend to be somewhat undersized. They stress speed, uh, you know, at those uh, at those exterior positions, which means they need size and strength up front to be successful against the bigger programs. Uh, Baris gives you that size and speed. I mean, six six, three hundred. He has the frame to add on, you know, ten, twelve more pounds of muscle. Uh, but he plays with a great anchor at the point of attack. And you want to talk about explosion to the football for such a big man? Uh, you know, he plays with a nonstop motor and, like you said, a passion for the game, uh, you know, which had had to attract not only the coaches of the New Orleans Saints, obviously, uh, but is one of the things that had him, depending on who you talk to, anywhere from the second, third, or fourth defensive tackle grade in this class. Not bad. Um, just got to keep him healthy. Pencil him in, start from day one. Um, mm-hmm. He has that capability. Isaiah Foskey, pick number 40, um, did not realize he was the all-time uh, sacks record holder for Notre Dame with 26 and a half. He's set seven forced fumbles, four blocked punts. That's about as productive as you can get for an edge rusher. He has all the dem- 6'6", 264, long arms. Um, man, I didn't know about this guy so much, but uh, you studied, you, you watched the film. What do you see? 
Yeah, I watch a lot of film on Isaiah Foskey, and actually, in my first mock draft earlier this spring, I had him. I had the Saints taking him with their first round pick, so that's how highly I thought of him. Uh, and not only, like you said, a lengthy athlete with long, disruptive arms, uh, but he runs a four-five-eight, uh, you know, including a sub one-point-seven ten-yard, uh, you know, ten-yard ten split. Uh, you know, the production—you can't argue with the production. I mean, twenty-two of those sacks came in the last two seasons, including twenty-seven tackles for loss, and like. You said the seven force fumbles. Uh, you know, so you know, the long arms he uses to create and the length he uses to create the separation with from tackles. But he has good counter instincts when his initial attack is kind of stalled, which is not something you typically see out of a young player. That tells me he just he, he has a good natural feel for opposing blockers and you know just the desire to get to the football. Outstanding bend around the edge uh, you know, and a devastating stating burst to the ball carrier, but also plays with a pretty good leverage at the point of attack against the run uh, and has a continuous motor. So he's not going to be a liability in that area. We talk about Baris, uh, good chance being penciled in for a fir- you know, first year, a day one starter. I think just as much of Isaiah Foskey. I would not be surprised to see him as the opening day starter off as a Cam Jordan. And speaking of Cam, when you watch Foskey's tape, doesn't he remind you a little bit of our beloved 94? He does me. I mean, he just has that kind of game to him. I'm a happy camper. Get somebody to affect the quarterback, take some of the pressure off of Cam Jordan, make this kid, turn him loose. I'm a happy camper. So they address defense, defensive line, first two picks. Um, and then a lot of people are calling this maybe one of the steals of the draft in round three, pick number 71 overall. I'm happy because the Saints got a running back, and they're a running back that uh, went a long way. With the, went with TCU to the national championship, uh, and that's Kendra Miller. Um, Tajay Spears from Tulane was there. The Saints like Miller more. Why, and what were your thoughts about this pick? Uh, and I love Tajay Spears too. Uh, you know, he along with Kendra Miller were one. You know, were in my top five. Uh, you know, backs in the entire draft. I suspect that the Saints like Kendra Miller a little bit better because he is more built for inside the tackle running at the NFL level. Uh, you know, he, he's five eleven, goes about two fifteen, and that's a solid two fifteen. He's a decisive one cut runner, but he does. He's not as explosive as Tajay, but he does have the speed to get outside. Uh, you know, and even though TCU doesn't use their backs very much in the passing game, when he was used on you know, on wheel routes and uh, you know check down passes and whatnot, he showed good natural hands. And once he's with the ball in the open field, he has terrific elusiveness. Uh, you know, for such a power runner, uh, you just yeah, you gotta love his combination of size, power, and speed. Uh, but just as importantly, he also has excellent vision and the patience to let his blocks develop. Uh, you know, and then once he sees a crease, as I said, he's a one-cut, very decisive runner. He'll get to that second level in the, uh, of a defense in a flash. You said Foskey was kind of reminded you of Cam Jordan. Does Kendra Miller remind you of Mark Ingram? 
Yes, sir, he does. Uh, he does a little bit. Uh, in fact, I'd even go out on a, led, uh, on a limb and say at this stage of their respective careers, Mark Ingram, if you recall, he wasn't much of a pass catcher coming out of Alabama, had to do a lot of work in that capacity to earn snaps in the Saints' backfield as well as pass blocking. And I would call Kendra Miller more advanced in that capacity, natural ability-wise, than what Ingram was coming out of college uh, and as a runner. And this is why the Saints drafted him, of course, because of his running ability. He brings those same kind of qualities that a, uh, that a Mark Ingram in his prime added to this offense. And you know, we know how important an asset that was uh, you know, to Drew, Drew Brees and company. Let's go one more before we get to our break. Round four, pick 103 overall. Nick Saldaveri, the offensive lineman from Old Dominion. Everybody raves about his football IQ. They rave about his versatility. They rave about his athleticism. And they rave about his character. Perfect. Right? Perfect. Yeah, he checks off all those boxes, not to mention coming from a small school where the Saints have had success for, with guys like uh, Jari Evans, Jermon Bushrod, uh, yeah. some guy yeah. named Teron Armstead. Uh, yeah, yep. pre- pretty good lineman to follow in the footsteps of. Uh, and I'll, I'll give myself a pat on the back again. In my second mock draft, I had the Saints not only drafting Kendra Miller, but also drafting, drafting Nick Saldiveri. Uh, and the Saints thought highly enough of him to trade two day three picks up to the first pick of day three to get Nick. Uh, you know, and you know, he played a lot of right tackle in college. Uh, a lot of people, myself included, project him inside to the guard spot where the Saints are primed to lose not only Andrews Pete after this season, but possibly Cecil Ruiz as well. Uh, you know, Nick Saldivari, he won't... Uh, yeah, he, he won't be expected to start right away, which is okay, uh, especially if you're asking him to deal with a position change. But he has great feet for a big man uh, and you know, good natural pass-blocking instincts. Keeps a good square pad level when he drives off the football in that running game uh, and just has the bulk uh, and the size to just naturally open up gaps uh, because he's not going to lose that leverage battle at the point of attack. All right, so first four picks, the Saints get a uh, defensive interior lineman, an edge rusher, a running back, and a versatile offensive lineman. Um, We'll take a quick time out here. When we come back, we'll talk about a quarterback, a safety, and a tall, lean, wide receiver, plus where the Saints going to find some more help via free agency. That's with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network after this timeout. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We continue the Black and Gold Report with Saints News Network's finest, Mr. Bob Rose. We've gone over uh, several picks already uh, through the fourth round. But, Bob, later in the fourth round, the 127th pick overall, um, Saints went and grabbed a quarterback in Jake Hayner from Fresno State. Did that surprise you? And why Jake Hayner? What, What brought the Saints' attention with him? Uh, Jordy, it did. It surprised me a little bit at how early it was. But you and I had talked several times about the you know, possibility, the strong possibility we felt uh, of the Saints taking a quarterback on day three. Uh, 
they they knew something that we didn't because they not only took Hayner, but they traded up to get him. And right after they selected Hayner, there was a run on quarterback, something like seven in the next round and a half or something, you know, something yeah. just ridiculous. Uh, but what they saw in Hayner, I mean, you know, the, the kid grew up as a you know, Drew Brees and a New Orleans Saints fan, uh, but you know, there's, there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, I mean, he just has average arm strength, but that, you know, that's okay. He, he can make all the throws. Uh, uh, he looks a little inc- his accuracy looks a little inconsistent to me when he tries to make a throw on the run. But the positives, I don't want to hear much about his height because plenty of quarterbacks, uh, you know, plenty of quarterbacks have had success, uh, you know, at uh, at around six feet, which is what he is listed. But he's a solid two oh seven. That tells me he can he has the physicality to withstand uh, the the punishment an NFL quarterback takes. He is extremely accurate with his uh, throws and has great anticipation to throw his receivers open as the saying goes uh he beats a lot of defenses pre-snap uh you know with his pre-snap reads and adjustments he has the good enough mobility to slide away from pressure uh yeah i see a guy that very patiently works through his progressions and elite um, yeah i said elite mechanics and release there is no wasted motion when he gets rid of that football i saw no flaw in his delivery whatsoever uh you know th- those are traits up to and including the height and the average arm strength that remind you of the quarterback that he idolized growing up drew Brees. so i see i see exactly what the saints saw in him uh like i said it surprised me a little bit that they addressed it a round or two earlier than what i thought they might but obviously they saw something that the rest of us didn't because there was a run on quarterbacks right after they picked him all right uh we'll see how he projects in the future Jameis winston's here for another year he's got to be gone after that and then Mm -hmm. we'll see what happens with Derek carr and and jake hayner we shall see uh fifth round pick 146 saints go defense again safety out of minnesota jordan howden 511 just over 200 pounds again Another versatile defensive back, uh, a prototypical safety prospect. Um, and it looks like, you know, experience at free safety, Jordan Howden. Can he make an impact early on? I, I, I don't know if he can, but I'll tell you, the, the Saints never did sign, re-sign P.J. Williams. And you know, Jordan Howden has a lot of P.J. Williams in his game. You already said how versatile he was. He played various positions at, at, uh, at Minnesota, uh, something that we heard that the Saints liked a lot about him, uh, about him when they had him in for a pre-draft visit. Uh, yeah, he has good recognition and instincts uh, off in off-ball coverage. Reeves quarterback extremely well uh but he's also quick to recognize run plays and he'll be uh you know he won't hesitate to stick his nose in there uh he doesn't have the kind of agility you want to see in a, in a man coverage player you know be it in the slot or if he has to line up a cornerback uh but like i said he has the, the athleticism and off ball coverage to react really quick to plays in front of him uh there i, I had some questions about the new orleans Saints safety position coming into this off season uh the you know the team re-signed both May and Matthew, and I understood why, uh, but since they didn't re-sign P.J., Jordan Howden, because of his versatility, could very well make an impact early on. He's also a, a special teams player. He's had over 500 snaps playing as a special teamer in college, so the Saints love that kind of stuff, and with their last pick, picks uh, not 198, uh, the Saints trade up, uh, which sent tight end at 
Adam Troutman to the Denver Broncos to get a big six foot three, one ninety eight pound uh, wide receiver. First from Winston Salem via Wake Forest. Now to the Saints in A. T. Perry. Tall, speed, athletic. Uh, surprise, he lasted that long. I'm shocked he lasted that long. Uh, I was calling for uh, for the Saints to pick A.T. Perry midway through uh, day two. Uh, and in my second mock draft, I, I, I had the Saints picking him in the third round. Uh, you know, in our Bayou Blitz draft coverage, Brendan Boylan made fun of me uh, you know, for the amount of times that I mentioned A.T. Perry or called for him. Man, is he a productive wideout. Uh, you know, 71 catches for over tw- almost 1,300 yards and 15 touchdowns in 2021. Followed that up with 81 catches for almost 1,111 TDs in 2022. Uh, you know, he, he's your prototypical X receiver. He'll be an outside receiver, but he has deep speed, and he he proficiently ran a full route tree for the Demon Deacons. He has a long stride that's going to eat up that off-ball coverage real fast uh, and get cornerbacks turned around on his breaks. Uh, now, I'd like to see a little bit better route precision from him, uh, but in traffic, he uses his body as a shield great uh, to prevent you know, players uh, defenders from making plays on the throw. Uh, he'll battle press coverage from start to beginning of every play, uh, and he has terrific leaping ability to go with that great length, giving him a really, really tough catch catch radius for defenders to deal with, has outstanding tracking skills and focus in traffic. I know I'm talking about this guy like he should have been a first-round pick. I'm just that high on A.T. Perry. Has a lot of traits and the same kind of physicality that a guy like uh, some some guy named Marcus Colston did as a seventh-round pick for the Saints in, 20, uh, in 2006. Uh, I think Perry, uh, I'd like to see him add a little bit of muscle. Uh, but you know, with the traits he brings to the table, I think that he could you know, even supplant Brian Edwards as the primary backup at that position to Michael Thomas, and possibly step in for uh, you know for can't guard Mike if uh, if thirteen leaves after this season in free agency. All right, so there's your six picks. We <clears throat> talked about the trade of Troutman, which leaves the uh, tight end room rather thin. You couldn't address linebacker either. So what are the prospects for the Saints via free agency to add some quality depth at those two spots? Uh, and that uh, one of these two, if not both positions, are going to be the next moves that uh, the, the, the Saints team makes. Uh, they, uh, to be fair, they did bring in two undrafted uh, rookie linebackers who I really like. Uh, but you never want to count. Uh, you want to never want to count on an undrafted rookie, even with all the success that the Saints have had in that area, to make a, uh, an instant impact or an impact at all. Uh, you know, but there, there's a linebacker still floating out there in free agency that has a lot of experience in the Saints system named Quan Alexander. Uh, I could see Quan being brought back in as a backup and a guy that's going to share some snaps with Pete Warner, uh, plays really, has played really well with Mario Davis. Uh, you know, if they don't go after a guy like Quan, don't be surprised to see them bring in maybe an Anthony Barr, uh, Zach Cunningham, Corey Littleton, the kind of guy that, uh, you know, the kind of guy that has experience uh, in the middle or on the weak side uh, that, that's going to bring a little bit of versatility to the Saints defense. Okay. Uh, you know, Demario and Pete Warner—they're going to be your primary guys, but you need a you need a number three guy with some experience. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Tight end is a little bit different story. Uh, yeah. 
Jawan Johnson, he's he's the receiver of the group, and I think a, a fine one he is. Uh, but I think it's very telling that not only did the Saints pass on all those tight ends that were available in free agency, but also the early rounds of the draft. And then they turned around and trade, at, traded Adam Troutman without a real quality in-line tight end to back up Johnson. That tells me that they believe perhaps, I'm just speculating here, that Foster Moreau's health is a little bit better than we first reported. They, of course, brought Moreau in during free agency. Uh, you know, medicals obviously revealed uh, you know, that, that he had uh, an early form, treatable form of Hodgkin's lymphoma. Moreau returned to the facility to reportedly finish his, his medicals uh, you know, with the Saints, and we haven't heard anything more more from that. What could happen now is uh, you know, if Moreau is on his way to a clean bill of health, the Saints could sign him, place him on the non-football injury list. Uh, now, obviously, he wouldn't be available until he's healthy, and his health is number one concern here. Don't get me wrong. Um, but in the meantime, maybe you bring in a guy like Cameron Brait or Kyle Rudolph, an experienced pass catcher who, obviously, both of these names have given nightmares to Saints fans over the years. Uh, or a primary blocker, a guy like Anthony Ferkser, Adam Shaheen from the Dolphins, uh, Tyler Croft, Michael Pruitt, they're all still available. They're not going to be much of a threat in the passing game, uh, but you don't need them to be. You just need a guy that's going to you know, seal uh, you know, seal the edge a little bit uh, you know, for your runners to get outside uh, and not be a liability in that area. Uh, and even, I know people were saying, oh, you know, Troutman was the blocker. Yeah, I get that, but in my opinion, he was, he was inconsistent in that area. Area. Uh, yeah, and that's why the Saints elected to move on from him. Um, and a lot of times, Jordy, and you know this, in short yardage situations, goal line situations in recent years, New Orleans would just bring in an extra offensive lineman uh, you know, right. for, you know, for, for pure blocking purposes. So we could see that, too. Uh, but I'm telling you, you know, watch for a signing of Foster Moreau and then to turn around and put him on the football, non-football injury list. And that would also be great news for Moreau's health because that would tell us that, uh, that he's a little bit closer to a full recovery than maybe a lot of us anticipated when that news first broke you know i said it last year i'll say it again can they try Taysom hill as a, as a tight end in certain situations i mean why not yeah um and you know, obviously Taysom is listed at tight end um now despite that most of the snaps that we saw from Taysom still took place in the saints backfield last year and yeah, this offseason, especially early on, we were hearing, oh, you know, we plan on expanding Taysom Hill and what he could do in the offense. Uh, you know, some people suggest, well, how could you do that? Well, in the way, exactly the way you suggested, maybe bring him off the line a little bit more. Uh, you know, Taysom is a strong player. I mean, he, he he's he's not your prototype in-line blocking tight end. He's not an extra tackle or an extension of the offensive line. But again, all you need him to do is hold that block for just one extra right. second while a guy like Kamara, Jamal Williams, uh, or you know, now Kendra Miller, uh, you know, they, they have the speed to get outside. You don't have to sustain those blocks. You just have to hold it up long enough. Uh, and we already know what an athlete and what a pure football player that Taysom Hill is, uh, that he, you know, if they ask him to take on an extra role, he is going to put all the football work, you know, study work, uh, you know, in the film room and on the field into those efforts to try to improve that. So, yeah, that is a strong possibility as well, my friend. Uh, I will not be appreciated till well past my time, but we, we, we won't worry <laughs> You about and me that. both. 
Bob Rose, Saints News Network with the Black and Gold Report. Uh, maybe next week we'll start delving into the some of the Saints um, uh, NFC South opponents and see how they fared in the draft and how do you think they're going to look this season. Um, and, and we'll proceed onward from there. So, Bob, um, thank you as always. Overall, what kind of grade do you give the Saints draft? I, on paper, and you know, again, I patted myself on the back for having what four four of these picks mocked to the Saints and mm-hmm. my predictions. So, you know, if I give the Saints an A, that means by default I'm giving myself an A. Uh, but again, yeah, I, I love how Absolutely. they let the draft come to them in the first couple rounds. They didn't burn any future assets yet, still got really, really good players. Then they turned around and were just super aggressive in day three. Uh, I, I don't like to assign grades before players have ever taken the field, but on right, paper, I got to right. give this whole draft an A to Dennis Allen, Mickey Loomis, and let's not forget Jeff Ireland, the director of, call, uh, of scouting for this franchise. Let's get three first-year players that can play and contribute and help this team out in a successful draft. It's always successful for our listeners when we get to listen to you, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Sounds great, my friend. Have a great week. We'll talk soon. You too. Bob Rose will be back to wrap it all up with some birthday wishes next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game has a brand new app. It's now your one-stop shop for all things the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Download the free mobile app today for your Apple or Android Android device. Just search the game Southwest Louisiana. No matter where you are, you can listen to the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We are back to wrap things up. Fun show. We covered the NBA with Grant Hughes. We covered all things LSU with Glenn West. We covered all Southeastern Conference football with Blake Topmeyer and the Saints with Bob Rose. So thanks to them for hopping on board. If today, May 2nd, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. A little cake, a little ice cream, maybe a present. Man, that's that, that would be terrific. You share your days with uh, from the world of racing kyle bush is 38 from the soccer world now retired david beckham is 48 and a former football player turned hollywood megastar dwayne the rock johnson is 51 years old today played with coach o or was coached by coach o rather back in the day that's right coached by coach o back in the day all right um so there you have it. Um, really do appreciate all of you for joining us in whatever form or fashion that you do. Um, James Mesh, thank you so much for all you do in your producer's role. Can't thank you enough for that. And our partners, well, you know, ShopRite, Tobacco Plus, Ducks, Eon, Louisiana Lottery, DC's, Cajun Chef, and so many more. We thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do it without you. Um, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Um, until next time, I'm Jordy Holbrook. Stay thirsty, my friends. 
stay healthy, right? Let's be kind to one another and please be happy. Coming up next, it is Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Have a great day, everybody. So long. Till next time.